Good morning, everyone. Glad to have you online as well. And we are starting a brand new sermon series. So if you are able, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. All right. Uh, are you ready? Repeat after me. Creation gets flooded. Oh, no, that was last time, wasn't it? All right. 22 weeks, hard habit to break. No, that's not it. Uh, we're starting a brand new sermon series. But wow, if you were here last week, didn't the team do a great job on the finale? You know? I was here Thursday night for the concert, and I saw little reminders going, look forward to Jesus, you know, floating down from the, from the ceiling, the little confetti. And then when Jordan Feliz was singing, look forward to Jesus, I texted our, our Jesus coming back, I texted our team, I said, I kind of like our version better than his version, it's his version. So, but anyways, uh, great team. No, it's a brand new series, uh, but it's about possibilities. So I want you to, like, fist bump or high five or air five or whatever you want to do, at least three people and say, this is for you, all right? Go, and then have a seat. All right, I am admittedly, as they say, preaching to the choir. Because when my pastor friends of mine ask me, what's CLC like? I tell them that I'm blessed to pastor a group of possibility-oriented people. Uh, rarely, if ever, do I feel like I'm preaching to this. All right, it's, it's okay, what about and what next? And so as we're talking about this, uh, Limitless is the series I'd like to sort of walk through the possibilities that I believe God has ahead of us, and I'm excited about it. We're going to do it all the month of October. And uh, the first point, if you have the app, you can follow along with us. The first point very simply says the right formula, A plus B plus C plus D, equals possibilities. So I get to write on a marker pad, which just makes me happy as all get out. I'm easily satisfied. Uh, but how many of you were like really math, you were really good math was like your thing in high school, Okay. I probably was not in that class, okay? Because you're probably advanced math, and I was not, not me in math. But anyways, so let's do a little math. A plus B plus C plus D equals possibilities. Say possibilities. possibilities. All right, so let's talk through this formula and see how it applies to you, and it applies very much so. The first one that we'll look at is from Psalm 103, verse 14. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And every person who's imperfect said amen. All right, we're frail. If God doesn't help me, I'm in trouble. Doesn't help you. And so the first is obviously me. And we are imperfect. No surprise about that. No newsflash. The second dimension to uh, this equation is a verse that if I have overquoted it along with a handful of others, I have overquoted this verse many times in uh, 32 years as lead pastor. I can't overquote a verse, but uh, it's one of my favorites. And uh, I'll ask you to read it out loud with me. And you know how annoying I can be that if I don't think you read it in, like enthusiastic enough, I ask you to stand up because you read better standing up. You know how I do that kind of stuff. So just read it with passion and we'll stay seated. How's that? All right, so let's go. Ready? Now to him, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. 
<laughs> that was kind of fun to listen to. Because they're like, a bunch of you are like, you're trying like, let's do it loud enough. And then some of you were going slag, lagging behind and it was like a little, uh, so I'd try to help you there, all right? All right, the, the one phrase that I don't want us to, to lose is, would you say far more abundantly? And so the second element in our equation, obviously, is God and His power. And amazes me, the, power, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and wants to work through us. The third element uh, should come as no surprise, and it, it's in Hebrews 11, and if you have the app, you can look up the verse to be a reminder. I hope you'll read this entire chapter sometime today or this week. It is a hall of fame of spiritual heroes, Old and New Testament, and they have one thing in common, and it is that sense of faith. And the author of Hebrews sort of gives a definition of faith or an explanation. And he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so the third element is faith. Faith is future focused. Say future focused. Faith is not so much about what's behind us other than what's behind us. If we remember it right and learn from it right, it can compel us forward. But faith, faith really is an assurance of what I hope for, what I don't see yet. So when I add me, imperfect as I am, and I add God to that equation and his power, and then I stir in some faith, I have a sense of anticipation, I have a sense of hope of what isn't yet, of what possibly can be. When I add one more ingredient, whoo, the possibilities. Now, I'm not going to say what that one more ingredient is yet, but I will get to it. And so that whole phrase that he is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the power that works within us, let me ask you a question. Did anybody else ever ask for something and you imagine what it looked like, what it could be, even dare dream beyond what it could be, and then it didn't happen? I did. And that really messed me up when I was young in my walk in my faith because I read the Gospel of John and several times, you remember when the Bible repeats stuff, it's for emphasis, several times Jesus says, I will do it, what? If you ask anything, what? In my name. And boy, by that time, so I'm in college, I have, I have a host of prayer requests that I asked in Jesus' name. It didn't happen. Been there? How many been there? Okay. Bum me out. What's wrong with that? And so I had an opportunity in, I think it was third year Greek, New Testament Greek class, and uh, I did about a 24-page paper on that dilemma for me, and I studied the phrase in the original language, in Jesus' name. You delve into the original language, it's quite complex, and those of you who are language buffs, it is a dative of place if you want to parse it out. And so that phrase, in Jesus' name, is not so much a word formula, because some of us use in Jesus' name like a word formula. It's kind of like we have this big, long prayer, right? Oh, yeah, in Jesus' name. It's kind of like a spiritual, da -da -da -da, abracadabra. We kind of get magical with our faith if we're not careful. It's not that. In Jesus' name is really a dative of place, so it's, 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 a, it's almost a location, you know, when you watch like a, a basketball game and, and a guy is just sinking shots from everywhere, he's crazy, and you say, he's in the zone. 
right? When it, it's like in that Jesus zone when, when what moves the heart of Christ, what Jesus' heart beats about, what Jesus is passionate about, what Jesus is, this, oh, that's what I'm about. When we are in that place with him, and I ask anything. In fact, I won't just add, grant anything to you. I will go beyond what you could ask or imagine when you are praying in Jesus' name, when you're in that same place. So the challenge is that the second thought in the outline is beyond what we ask or think is often not what we ask or think. Now, lots of the things that I ask or think about uh, tend to be more like I would, what I would call social media highlights, like that amazing vacation we just had, or hey, I got the job, it's a new season in my life, or the kids won and we're champions, new set of wheels, better yet, a vacation home. Now, I've asked for some of those things, didn't necessarily get them, all right? And so we, we ask and, and we, we fail to understand, like, man, but if God can do beyond what we ask or think, I ask for this, he can give me this. And part of it is the disconnect between Jesus, who is like really eager to beyond, to far more abundantly you, and he's waiting for you to ask, and then, and then they ask, boom. So let's, let's own a, a, a bit of a responsibility, let's put the responsibility on us, to get to where Jesus is to get into his head, if you will, to get to where he is residing in passion and purpose and whatever, where our hearts beat as one. And so in John chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Jesus' disciples, you can read the larger context, remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus was in this setting just over the top passionate about God's house and protecting, preserving it. And he said, zeal for my father's house will consume me. Jesus was consumed. He was not balanced. He was not just going to get around to it. No. He loved God's house, a place like this. He was passionate about what happened in a place like this in God's house and not just what happens on the, on the platform. He was passionate about this and everything to do with it. And the disciples, when they looked at how passionate Jesus was, they said, you know what? The Bible said, Old Testament, you remember it in the New Testament, zeal for my Father's house. That's what it looks like when you see Jesus. Passionate about a place like this. Second thought, when you see Jesus, he's preaching the kingdom of God and, and he's in one city and they're trying to kind of say, hey, come on, let's, let's, let's balance this out here. In Luke 4, 43, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to declare and preach and establish and teach the kingdom of God. And he had this huge corrective agenda he had to do because the kingdom of God, to the people who were first hearing them, who were largely Jews, they thought the kingdom of God, we're going to overthrow the Roman Empire, and we're going to... No, it's not a kingdom of this planet. It's a kingdom in people's hearts. So Jesus said, I must be about this. I have to teach God and his kingdom and his righteousness. I am passionate about that. And zeal for my father's house, where that often takes place, consumes me. And then, it's one thing to see that and get, oh, yeah, yay, Jesus, good job. But you can't stay passive in that, disconnected in that, because then what he does in the Sermon on the Mount is he personalizes it. He taps out and taps you and I in. Matthew 6, 33, he says, but seek first. Say first. What does that mean? Say first. <laughs> Nothing profound, not your question. 
Seek first, not second, not fourth, not tenth, not when I get around to it. No, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you, clothing, food, that kind of stuff. I am, I want to be, he says, your first priority. Me, my righteousness, my kingdom, number one. That's what Jesus' heart beats about. Jesus said, you know what? This is my purpose, to establish the kingdom of God. And now that I'm establishing it, I have zeal for this place, for the people of God. I am leaving the planet, and I'm leaving you in charge, and I'm tapping you in. I want you to now pursue and build and be passionate and consume with the kingdom of God. And he is like, I can't wait to do beyond what you ask or think. When you ask or think, kind of like what I was passionate about. And then he, Luke 12, verse 15. Then Jesus said to them, what's that next word? Beware. 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 That's a warning word. That's a danger word. That's a look out, watch out word. Look out for what's ahead. That is a New Testament version of, you know, when you're driving down the freeway and it's at night and all of a sudden you see something, you realize it's flares that have been lit and laid in the, in the freeway to, to help you get around an accident scene. Beware. That is your fire alarm going off, that beep, beep, beep at your home or your workplace or in church. Beware, there's danger. I don't know about you, but if the, the creator of the universe, son of God, come to earth, says, beware, we should beware. See how smart you are today? <laughs> beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Here's why. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Now, I like possessions. I have possessions. How many of you are like me? You possess more than you used to a long time ago. It's pretty much every hand. But did you learn something about the stuff you have? Would you say stuff is just stuff? How many of you, with the stuff you have now, have ever been really happy? Right? I am. Yay! Great job. How many of you, with the stuff you have, have also been really sad and unhappy? Okay? Stuff doesn't really make you happy. And if we're not careful, beware, you'll buy this line that, boy, our adversary likes to feed us all the time, our culture feeds us all the time. You know what you need with all the stuff you have? Just a little more stuff. Now, if I have a little more stuff, it might be nice, but really what it comes down to, what I have is a little more stuff. And Jesus says, beware. Don't be fooled by that. Don't let that take you hook, line, sinker and just be drawn to getting more stuff, more stuff, more stuff, because it's not about more stuff. And more stuff is nice, I'm not dissing that, but, but if you want to really see beyond what we ask or think, start to try to get into Jesus' head, if you will. Start to try to get into his heart and sense his passions and say, okay, Lord, then, then, then what would it look like for me to ask what you would ask and for you to do beyond what I could ask or imagine? And so I'm, if you're saying, what would that look like? I'm glad you asked because we have an illustration here. So let's, let's see. I'll fill in that blank. I'm going to do it now. Are you ready? Drum roll, drum roll, please. It is little things. Me plus God plus faith 
plus little things can yield huge possibilities, way beyond what we ask or think. For example, let's, let's rewind if you're a CLCer, and let's say it's like a, a Sunday in February, and you're going to come to church, and so you're sitting there at the breakfast table or the counter, and you pray something like, Lord, thank you for this food, and bless these cornflakes to our body, and bless our day, in Jesus' name, amen. Off you go. It's a nice prayer. You probably prayed something like that. And when you pray something like that, God hears that. And so the first step is you see something like this when you come to church. Hands against hunger. It was on the screen. You could do the screenshot. You could stop in the lobby, go by the table, whatever. And there's great tables to go by this morning in the lobby. And, and basically, it's like March 6, 5, 6, 7. You know, as, as a church, we do what we call our meal pack, partner with this group, and we, we pack fortified rice meals. And so you pour the rice and you pour the, 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 the processed vegetables and protein and all that kind of stuff and, and vacuum seal it and it goes in boxes and off it goes. And when children come, they draw on the boxes, little hearts and smiley faces and flowers, and we love you. And so you look at that and you go, hmm, boy, I sh- would you repeat after me? I sure am busy. Because very rarely do people go, huh, got nothing to do. Figure out the thing, I'll do that. It's usually, I sure am busy. But let's just say that you prayed that prayer, Lord bless this day, and you saw that. And then, and then in response to that, you saw that in church, you decide, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to look. And so you get your calendar out. One like this, one on your phone, whatever, on your, on your laptop. And you look and you say, maybe if you're married, you know, okay, can, can my spouse get free? And what are the kids doing? And what games or practices? And how can we work that in? Or if you're single, okay, I got to rearrange this activity and that, whatever. And so how can I carve out a four-hour slot of time that I can go ahead, it's just four hours, and, and help pack? And so you kind of work all that out and you make plans. And uh, sure enough, you get there and you show up. It's not just you and your family or whatever. It's you and 1,500 people from Christian Life Center and their friends packing meals in the gym, tons of rice and food and whatnot, going to these vacuum pack bags, and it is going. So you prayed this prayer, Lord, bless these cornflakes, bless this day, amen. And God has already said, okay, I'm going to take it all the way to here. And then what you realize is that you find out that we pack all those meals and then they, they get shipped overseas. And here are two of the guys from the team there in Africa, Eswatini, a nation of a million people on the border of South Africa. Three-fourths of the people live on less than a dollar a day. And so, and 20% of the nation are AIDS orphans. And so these guys are on the team, and they are in a truck. The shipment just got offloaded, and those boxes, including drawings from our kids, are full of those rice meals, and they're ready to unpack those uh, at uh, ICBC churches, which stands for In Community, By Community. That's how change happens, in the community, by the community, with the church at the center of it. And so when you prayed that prayer, Lord, bless these cornflakes, bless this day, you probably didn't think that God would answer that prayer and it would go all the way to this scenario with Pastor Sabella. Now, that was me laughing on that uh, iPhone shot video, but that was Pastor Sabello at Lava Mesa. And he delivered to that go-go, which means grandmother. And she had in her homestead of stick and mud huts about six or eight children she was caring for. She calls that super rice. And she literally did the happy dance because she got super rice that is the most nutritious thing her and her kids will eat. Now, what's amazing, talk about doing above and beyond what we ask or think. First of all, when you prayed, bless these cornflakes, 
Is that what the cereal was that I picked? I can't remember now. Okay, because it's running all together. Last night was Cheerios. That's my say. Bless these cornflakes. Bless this day. Did you have any idea that blessing those cornflakes in the day was going to go all the way to that lady in Africa and she does this happy dance because you kept her kids alive? You didn't think of that. But he does beyond what we ask or think. And then, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even think that when in 2007... Me and a half a dozen CLCers went to what was in Swaziland, it's now Eswatini, and we prayed, Lord, would you lead us to a community that we could build a holistic church that would minister to a community, and they would not only do spiritual ministry of a church, but education, like a preschool, they would have a feeding program, they would do home care, health care visits, and that they would partner, we want to partner with a church plant a church, partner with them, and watch them change that community over time. Lord, would you bless us with that? When we ask that, first of all, that was a really naive request to think we were going to find that in a five-day trip, but we did. But we didn't know when we asked that, God said, I'll see your community and raise you. How about 29 ICBC communities as of today? Beyond we could ask for things. So let's go beyond the go-go because you probably didn't pray that God would bless that and impact somebody like this. This is Son Aliso. We call him Sonny. He and his wife Abby, they, they, he, he grew up in one of our ICBC communities and he joined the ministry there at Potter's Wheel and, and uh, they're married now. And you probably didn't even think to pray for Son Aliso when you prayed over your cornflakes and day. When you pray over your cornflakes in day to a God who does beyond what you can ask or think, but somehow that little prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Who prayed that? That Jesus did. Okay, so that lines up with him, okay? And then you say, well, bless this day. Okay, hey, I'm, I'm ready to bless that day. He will bless that day. He will go beyond what you ask or think. And, and you had no idea what you were asking. God would bless with just little things. Check your calendar. Go ahead and rearrange. Give four hours. Four hours is not a big deal. Just do those little things. You had no idea with those little things, what God would do. And then we just got this video from Pine Valley. And again, it is because you and a bunch of us like that prayed, bless our cornflakes, bless this day. And then we just got this video from Africa. Check that out. Now those... I got to tell you just a brief thought about Pine Valley. When uh, Dirk and I first went there with Pastor Kevin, it was Lindy Way and her husband Moses. And Lindy Way had been horribly abused as a kid and abandoned and has a real heart for children, has scars on her back to prove it. And we couldn't help but fall in love with them from the moment we saw them. And uh, now, years later, two years ago, Pastor Moses died of cancer. And we wondered, now what will happen? And Lindy Way, with her passion, like, no, we're going to continue. And so she has a home for girls, a resident home. A dozen girls live there on the property. They have like 100 children in the preschool there. And in case you couldn't clarify it through the accent of those little children, they were saying, they were singing their prayer, thank you, Father, thank you, Father, for this food. Many, many blessings, many, many blessings. You saw the smile on their face. To them, that food that most CLCers, we don't care for the taste of it. Most of them walk from a stick and mud hut. 
Most of them, that is the best meal they will have all day. Many, many blessings. Amen. Though did you know that the prayer they sang lined up with the heart of the one who taught his followers that this is pure and undefiled religion to care for widows and orphans in their distress. So you got these little children, you got the heart of Jesus, and then you just happen to pray, Lord, thank you for these cornflakes, and bless this day. And he nudged somebody in heaven if it works like this and says, watch what I'm going to do with that prayer. I'm going to go way beyond what they ask or think with that little four-hour slot of time. I'm going to make a difference on the other side of the world because little things plus their faith plus my power and them yield great possibilities. So here's the question. What possibilities surround you on a daily basis? Little things. I'm not talking sell everything you have and live in a cardboard box and give it all to mission. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the little things that surround us in life. And, and realize that little things aren't always little in their impact. Sometimes they are. Sometimes the little thing you do just puts a smile on one person's face. Boom. Excellent. But you look at things like clay pots. Jesus, you can, or it wasn't Jesus, it was Elisha. Read the story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha's talking to a widow, has two sons, young boys. She's out of money. She's worried the creditors are going to come and take her sons as slaves. Elisha says to her, well, what do you have? God often works with what you have. Well, I have a, a jar of oil. And he says, let's start with that. He tells her, go borrow other clay pots, clay jars from your neighbors. And he says, don't get a few. That was the key. She got several clay pots. And he says, now pour the oil from the jar of oil that you have into those other clay pots. And she kept pouring and pouring and pouring. When she got to the last clay pot, it stopped. Boy, she wishes she did, a, don't, you know, don't get a few, a few more. A clay pot provided for that widow and her sons. And it has taught a lesson to us thousands of years later. One clay pot jar of oil still stands through the, the course of time and says to you, with God, even a little can be enough. How many of you ever had dirt on your shoes and mom said, wipe your feet off. Don't track that dirt in the house, right? All right, getting mud in the house. Got in trouble for it. Wipe the dog's feet off. Don't get mud in the house. Man, dirt. Mud. It isn't much. But even a little bit of dirt and mud can make a huge difference. Jesus was with his disciples. You can read the story in the Gospel of John, chapter 9. They passed a guy who was born blind. And they say, who sinned that this guy was born blind? Who's, who's he being punished for, his mom or his dad? Jesus said, neither. He was blind now for this moment. He's, for this moment, we're going to give glory to God. And Jesus, the guy is calling out, have mercy on me. Jesus, come here. The guy can't see. He can't see that Jesus spends beaches down and gets some dirt spits on it. Ew. Makes mud. Guy can't see it, and then Jesus takes the mud and he, that he made out of spit, sticks it on his eyes. Ooh. Oh, you germaphobes. Go wash off in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. I'm sending you to wash off. And he washes off, and the guy can see. And people are like, how'd they have you? I don't know. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. Mud. Dirt. That's a little thing. How many of you are going to walk by dirt this week? Okay, That's a little thing, and yet God can do something amazing with it if he wants to. Sack lunch. How many of us are of the generation of sack lunches to school? Can I see our baby boomer hands? All right. 
Man, my, we were so tight in my family that we would never spend, spend a dollar on a plate lunch. Your mom can make you a sandwich. So it was a sandwich. It was carrots. It was grapes. Right? Once in a while, chips. Right? Whoa, potato chips. Special treat. You're like, special treat? Trust me. Baby boomers is a special treat. Well, there was a day when Jesus and his disciples are out, and they're on a mountainside, and as usual, a huge crowd comes, and he's doing miracles, and he's teaching. And in those days, they counted the men. All the men, raise your hand. Okay, so I'd count all of you if I wanted to get the count on men, and that add, okay, women and children. So you're talking 5,000 men plus women and children. You're talking probably 15,000 people at least. Picture an NBA stadium or a coliseum. And Jesus says to his disciples, hey, before they leave, give them something to eat. The disciples freak out. Now what's he going to do? And the Bible says Jesus said that to test them. We said in the series, Preaching of the Bible, Jesus will test you. He will throw situations your way you don't know what to do with. He will give you difficulties and struggles and uphill climbs that you don't know you can handle. He will bring some things in your path to test you and some of the things right now that some of us think are, oh God, get out of my way. He is saying, no, I put it there because I'm testing you. I want to see if you've got faith. I want to see if you'll persevere. I want to see if you'll trust me. I want if you can have a confidence for what's hoped for. And he tested them and they did a quick inventory and they said, you know, Lord, all there is is one kid. He's got five rolls of bread and two fish, so I guess you can have lunch. Jesus says, that's enough. I'm going to bless this food, pray over this food, and we're going to watch God do beyond what we could ask or think. And he thanks God for that meager lunch. He blesses it and then just starts breaking it and breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And you know the story. They fed 5,000 men plus women and children and picked up 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards because little things coupled with our faith and God and imperfect little me can be huge possibilities. And then even a, even a glass of water, Jesus said, you can receive a reward for giving that in my name. I just do the math, you know, 32 weekends of Sundays, and Dirk makes sure this is out of here. Everybody. He's going to be a rewarded guy when he gets there. <laughs> so what are the little things in your life? I am certain that when I hit the cruise control of my day, my week, you know, tonight, I'll look at my, my phone sometime, look at my calendar and see what's, what's planned for this week and kind of mentally get myself anticipating it. And I am sure when I get in those cruise control moments, anybody else get in cruise control moments in life? All right? You're just missile locking what you're doing. I am sure that I have cruised right past little things. The guy was like, hey, Stan. Hey, Stan, did you notice? Little things. Not big, huge, move the mountain, you know, cost me a fortune. It's just little things that I could do that would learn the lesson and reinforce to me, you know what? Little things plus imperfect me and a really big God and having an assurance of what's hoped for, conviction of what's not seen, little things can be huge possibilities in God. And so my prayer when we close in just a moment is that God opens the eyes of our heart. We can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church when he says, hey, just take a moment. Did, did you see them? Just taking little moments, little things to see what God does with it. Sometimes it turns into something really big. Sometimes it's just a little thing that is exactly what Jesus would have wanted you to do and he blesses it and honors it. 
Now, it's not just something we do individually. This example was also a little thing we do collectively. I just want to whet your appetite for how exciting it is to be part of us as a church CLC with a God-sized vision. This, this whole series is kind of a primer for that, but it's not the God-sized vision. But we just finished our fiscal year, August 31st. Our church council is this Wednesday. If you want, we'll review the budget and appoint new board members. Um, and, and so we have learned a long time ago a couple things. First of all, that you, if you manage it right, if you're a good steward, we don't need all of our income just to handle operations. And so we've been putting 20% of our, our general fund money that you just gave the tithe uh, into the God-sized vision fund. And, and this past year, this summer, we just said, let's up that. So 25% of what you give now goes to our God-sized vision fund to impact people across our community and around the world. And so you're going to hear about that in two weeks. We'll give you a God-sized vision booklet to show you where the money goes and the impact it's making that we're making by a little thing of, if you choose to give, da-da-da-da-da, how we explain it. But because we also had some additional income, uh, first of all, uh, we, we celebrated. We're a pro-life church. We believe life is a gift from God, begins in the womb. And uh, what pro-life is different than anti-Roe v. Wade. All right, Roe v. Wade was an obstacle, but we're glad that that went down, and we'll see where that ends up in the courts. But we're pro-life, and so we contacted Mind Valley Women's Center. We partner with a lot of you volunteer there. I'm thrilled about that. And we said, okay, we want to help you because now that the landscape is changing, what do you need to better impact our community being a pro-life organization? And so uh, they said, you know, we have to totally represent our message because now it's not a choice between abortion and, and life that options off the table for now. So how do we reach people who aren't thinking in that sort of dualistic way? And how do we also we have several centers? We need to be better connected together so we have a great referral network. And so we said, okay, we want to help you with that, with your communication system, uh, with your branding. And so we, out of what you have given, we're able to give them $40,000 to help them be a stronger pro-life force in our community. So thank God for that. And then it was kind of fun, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Patrick and myself and one of our inner city partners, Jeff Cartwright, we toured uh, the Dream Center, Living Word Church, just in Vandalia. Uh, God really laid on their heart. They bought a church in the east side of Dayton, and uh, they retrofitted that. It's now a Dream Center, which is an outreach center. Uh, there are several across the country. It's kind of a ministry franchise. And I'm so, I'm so happy to see that happen. And, you know, Pastor Pat walked us through. I said, man, I'm so happy for you. And so uh, we kind of got together, and what can we do? So I was able to contact Pat on your behalf, and the board approved this, and said, hey, Pat, we want to give Living Word Church to the Dream Center $20,000 as these final expenses are coming due to be able to finish that off. And so uh, there is a brand-new gym floor at the, gym, at the Dream Center that you bought uh, through your giving, as well as helping with our parking lot to finish it off. So... It's just neat when, when we, Lord, what do you want me to do? And we give obediently just our little bit, you know, my tithe, your tithe, it all adds up. And then God does beyond what we could ask or think. And then uh, before I go next weekend, one more thing this weekend. I don't know if you caught what Patrick said, but our, our country is in, in dire straits. Amen. As families are coming apart, as there are a lot of fatherless kids uh, and those that are at home, they're distracted and whatever and overwhelmed. And, and school systems are now coming to the church saying, do you have anybody who can influence our children? Public school systems coming to the church. Smile like that's great news, all right? So there are three organizations out there 
big brother, big sister, and two others, and, and they're like, if you have time during the school day, beyond the school day, whatever, they're saying, does anybody here want to care about a, a school-aged child and just invest in them? So there may be a little thing for you to be distracted to if you walk out this side of the auditorium, throw a glance to your right. If you walk out this side, throw a glance to your left and just peruse those tables and prayerfully say, God, is this something you want to distract me to? It's a little thing. It's not a huge, big thing, but you can make a life-changing difference in somebody's life. So now I want to talk briefly about next weekend, and then I have a prayer I want to pray kind of for you, but there's also a need that some of you have about this whole possibility thing. Say out loud, don't miss next weekend. And say this, be in the room. Okay, all you online, if you have health issues, we're glad to serve you, but if it's a convenience thing, next week of all weekends, you are not going to want to miss being here, all right? Because something amazing that I can't wait to do is going to happen, all right? So hold that thought, but before I go there, there's something else next weekend as well. I want every man to stand, just real quick. Every man stand, all right? And by standing, you volunteer. Thank you, you can be seated. No. <laughs> All right, we have been chosen by Man in the Mirror Ministries, a national men's ministry, very effective, to be a beta site, to be part of the remedy to a society that's falling apart because families are falling apart. And they're trying to raise up. Most of us have, a, as a Christian, have a man in our life somewhere beyond dad that was a Christian that impacted us. And Man in the Mirror wants to raise up 10,000 guys like that for starters uh, 10,000 spiritual fathers. You can be seated because I want you to now get your cell phone and take a screenshot. Next weekend at Saturday at 8, we're having a one-day training. There are people coming from several states uh, and like 20 different churches, and we get to be one of them here in our West Auditorium to be, one, be trained to be one of 10,000 spiritual fathers. This is primarily guys that are probably in their 40s, 50s, 60s, but man, if you have a coach's kind of heart, whether you're in your 20s or 30s and want to pour into somebody younger, you know, Titus talks about older men pouring into younger men, so that can fit with your 70 into a 30-year-old or 20 into an 18-year-old. If there's any twinge in you about, oh, should I check that out? You're already going to be too busy. It's a matter of, okay, Lord, and maybe you prayed today, bless these cornflakes and bless this day. And then when you know what your story is, and I saw that thing on the screen about 10,000 spiritual fathers, I took a screenshot, I went to the QR code, and somebody in the future is going to say, your name made a life-changing difference in me when I was in sixth grade, 12th grade, second grade. So that's next weekend. Now let's get back to, so, so be with us next Saturday. But let's get back to what I can't tell you. Next weekend, and we're going to do something we've only done twice in the 32 years that I've been lead pastor, and since Joyce and I have been here since 1983, twice we've done it. This is only the third time. It is history remaking. And if you're online, I just got to tell you ahead of time. Because last week, it was really cool to be in the room and to see the, you know, and all this, whatever. All right. Next week, you have to be in the room to enjoy this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I'm going to preach the message. It's still worth coming if you're, if you're online, it has to be, and you'll enjoy that. And then I'm going to close in prayer and dismiss you online. And then we're going to do what I'm talking about. And it's, it's, it's just a little thing. And it involves you. And there's huge possibilities with it because God will bless it. Mm, I can't wait.
So don't miss it, all right? With that said, we're going to close in prayer. But before we do, preaching this whole message about possibilities, I know that there are some of you that, man, you want to, but it's just like trying to start an engine that won't, so you just can't get there. It's like trying to light wet wood for a bonfire. It's just, I mean, there, whatever you've gone through in life or wherever you're at in life, the last thing you can get excited about is possibilities. Maybe you've been experienced huge loss. Maybe, maybe you've been just, things have fallen apart at work or in your financial life or your health or you've been battling depression. The last thing you can get jazzed about is possibilities of little things. I don't know what it is. You've been hurt. I, whatever the case, there are many of you. And I kind of sense this late in the week and that I need to offer this prayer moment and then wow, it's been affirmed over and over again. But there are some of you that you would say, you know, I need God just to touch me to help me be able to like a Danny Goki said, to believe again, to dream again. So I'm asking you to bow your heads with me. And if you're here today, and you say, yeah, that's me. I want to dream. I want God to do above and beyond, but I'll be honest, I can barely get to square one. And so God's going to have to heal, restore, energize, motivate, empower me in some way from the inside out to even begin to respond to this, but I want to, but God's going to have to help me. And if that's you, would you raise your hand all across this place? I want to pray for you. Yeah. Scores of hands. So, Lord, you, you see our hands. You see the heaviness that life so often brings. You see the, the struggle that people have had and they're in. You see the the dark place, the hard place, the painful place, the loneliness, whatever it is. And so they want to be excited about this, but Lord, you have to first of all restore and energize. And so I pray you'll do that. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of them are, are heart sick, God, by having gotten their hopes up before and then they're dashed. I pray that you will restore and heal their hearts. And I pray that you'll prime each of us so that we are ready. And Lord, we leave today. Give us ears to hear what you might say to us in a moment's notice about little things. Give us eyes to see where you're already leading us. Help us when we ask, to ask so in tune with the heart of Christ that you are free to do above and beyond we could ask or imagine. I pray a blessing on this church, God. I pray a blessing on these people. I pray you continue to watch over them, guide them, give them your peace, your strength, your joy. Lord, help them to seek you first and provide all those other things beyond that in addition. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing thought. Would you stand with me? I want us to read a verse. I want us to read it with a sense of enthusiasm, knowing that God heard your prayer this morning. Bless these cornflakes and my day. And he's eager to go beyond what you could ask or think. It's from Psalm 118, verse 24. Would you read it out loud with me? This is the day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's do it with passion, kind of like we were screaming who day, or like you were screaming who day, all right? Or I was screaming, go Browns. That kind of enthusiasm, all right? I want you to say that kind of enthusiasm behind the thought, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm praying a blessing over cornflakes. He provided, he's going to do, he's going to do, knowing he's going to do beyond what you ask or think. I want you to read that verse again with that kind of enthusiasm. Ready? Let's go. Yeah. We're going to read it one more time. All right? 
You can applaud after this one, okay? Because there's a slight edit. Let's go. Passion. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is filled with possibilities. Give an ovation of praise and thanksgiving. And you go have an amazing possibility-filled day and week. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for being here.